So our personal devotions, especially in this time, um, are going to make us or is going to break us. Uh, this is the area that we all can do better at. Um, even Paul, this great man of God, this great apostle, he started churches all over Europe. He still uh, didn't stop increasing his relationship with God. He never stopped getting closer and closer and closer to God. And so we all can do better. And so if you struggle to walk with God or you have some anger issues or a lack of patience, you find yourself slipping into carnality or worldliness following what the world is doing uh, and a multitude of other potential issues, the problem usually lies with your devotional life or your lack of your devotional life to God. And so uh, here is a fact. Even if you're consistent in prayer, uh, prayer with an agenda or a specific plan uh, may not be real prayer. Um, sometimes it can just be something that we do just, just to do it. Um, it might not have too much meaning. It's a good practice. It's a good act. But uh, our heart not might be all in it or you know, things of that nature. So, yes, plans are good. Um, but we have to be careful those plans don't become, uh, we don't put our relationship with God just in a plan. And your heart is not fully in it. You just kind of check the boxes you need to check. I prayed, you know, I read my word, now I can do whatever I want to do. No, not the case. So plans are good, but we just have to be careful a little bit. And so our personal devotional life, it breaks down to these three basic uh, areas, which is first, the word of God or the Bible, two, prayer, and three, fasting. But approaching these with the right attitude and spirit is vital. It makes all the difference. And so this lesson, like I said earlier, is, is an overview of this series. It's going to be a three-part series where we will cover the Word of God, prayer, and fasting separately. So we're going to cover them individually. And this lesson gives principles of personal devotions. And so this is all about getting stronger in our relationship with God. Amen. And I'll even say here, it, like, like I said before, our devotions with God in this season will make us or break us. We can't meet physically like we used to and have iron, sharpen iron, one with another physically there, have someone lay hands on you and pray with you. And so we're going to have to connect with God on our own and as a family together. And so the this is going to be extremely important. We're either going to grow or we might decrease if we don't focus on our devotional life with God. And so this lesson is to strengthen our devotional walk with the Lord. And so first, we will begin with the word. So why is the word of God so crucial as a devotional tool? Really, you could say that's the starting point of everything. Without knowing what God says, how do we know who he is? How do we know how he acts? How do we know who we are? The word of God is the base. It's the foundation. So it's extremely crucial. It's the start. And so the reading and studying of the word helps us to hear the voice of God. As we study and, and read the word of God, we begin to learn how God talks. We begin to learn how God loves, how God sees. We begin to learn his vocabulary um, and how he speaks to mankind, speaks to us in many different um, areas and instances. And so here we begin to learn the voice of God. And being knowledgeable in the word also helps us to know what's right and what's wrong. And many people today put high confidence in speaking through the Holy Ghost or speaking in tongues. But we need to remember any voice that contradicts the word of God is not speaking truth, even if it seems to come from the Holy Ghost. And so 
you can talk in tongues, but if you're not living the Bible, you're not submitting to it, then you can't use that as an excuse to just, you know, go off from the word of God. The word of God is the foundation, and we have to walk with that and build from there. And so the reality is some people, they'll twist and, and turn the voice of God, the spirit of God, and the, the Bible to fit what they want. Um, I've sat with some people who come to talk to me and say, you know, God told me this or that. And then when I show them the word, when I show them this is what God is saying, this is what his word is saying, they dig in their heels or they don't want to submit to it or they get all mad or upset. Or some people, if they're truly hungry, they'll, they'll see the error and they will change. And so we have to be careful to rightly divide the word of God. As some whole denominations have wrongly divided the word of God, and now thousands, you could say, people are, are following that, not rightly dividing it. So it's very important to rightly divide the word of God. And so if there's a wrong way to divide it, to follow the Bible, then there's a right way to follow the Bible. And so here we start with 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, and this is one of my favorite verses of scripture of all time. It says, study to show yourself approved. Now, this isn't a King James, but I'm trying to speak it so you can understand maybe a little better. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings. So don't, don't do those profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. It's going to grow into more ungodliness. And so popular preachers in preaching or styles or trends, they, they will come and go. But the word of God, like God, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The word of God was the same when Adam was created. The word of God is the same when Noah was alive and the flood came and all that. The word of God is the same when Abraham was here. And the word of God is the same today in 2020, even as this pandemic is going on. The word of God is the same. It doesn't change. And so um, other things, how people think about it or perceive it may change. But the word, it never changes. It's forever settled. And so um, if our spiritual foundation, our relationship with God is made of these three parts, then the word of God would be the footing, like I was saying, the, the foundation that rests, which keeps us strong. If you ever looked at skyscrapers, if you ever looked at how they are constructed, they have to dig down deep first to go up high because it's going up pretty high and there's a lot of weight on there. So they have to go down deep to be able to handle the weight uh, and the structure. And that's like the word of God. And so even with that, we need to go deep in, in the word of God to get our foundation strong and deep. And so we need all three for a good foundation. We need the word of God, prayer, and fasting for a great and strong foundation. And I'll even go back to uh, 2 Timothy when it talks about studying to show yourself approved. It's not just good enough just to read the word of God. You've got to go a little further. You've got to try to figure out what is God saying. What is, what, why is God saying it this way? Or why did God use these words? Or, or what does this mean? You may have read the word of God and you have some questions. I had questions when I was reading the Bible. And then what you do is you take those questions and you go to God in prayer. And you ask him to reveal it unto you. And then he's going to bring you back to the Bible and he's going to explain it. And he's going to show it to you. And so we have to study so we can be approved of God to be a workman or a workwoman. So we can go into the harvest and we can go and allow God to flow through us and reach lost souls through us. 
Without the studying, we can't be approved. Where you could say we're not qualified. We don't have the certificate. We don't have the training. We don't, like a carpenter, I don't know how to build the cabinet or the house, but if I've studied, if I've learned about salvation, if I've learned about who God is, if I learned about mercy, if I learned about grace, if I learned about love, now God can send me out and he, I can help a hurting soul. I can help somebody who offended me and I can still love them and I can pray for my enemies. I can do all these things. But without the study, the approval, it, it can't be there. It's just like in the natural. You have a test for your class. You, you learn some mathematics, and they test you. Did you really learn these mathematics or not? And that's the test. And Jesus did the same thing with his disciples. They were around him, and he taught them and explained things and showed them from real-life examples, and then he sent them out. He said, now you go out. Two by two, you go out. Don't take anything with you. Don't take any money. And go and raise the sick. Go and cast out devils. Go and heal. Do what I did. And that's exactly what they did, and they accomplished it. Because they studied and they were approved. And they went out and they were workmen and they weren't ashamed because they learned how to rightly divide the word of truth. And so uh, studying is extremely, extremely important. So with that, we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 2 and 5. And it says, you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And then it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 through 14, for we are laborers together with God. This is God's kingdom. This is God's church. These lost souls are God's souls. It's not our church. It's not our body. We're a part of the church. We're a part of the body. But we're laborers with God. God's got the master plan. God is the master architect. And he has commissioned us to be laborers to help him build his church to reach lost souls. So we all can be this great uh, spiritual house like it talks about. We all can enter into this holy priesthood and we all can be acceptable to God. And then he says, so we're laborers together with God and you are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Now this is Paul talking. He's saying, I have laid the foundation and another builds upon it. So Paul set the foundation. He laid it down and then another builds on top of it. But let every man or woman take heed how he builds upon. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's no other foundation of Jesus Christ that you can lay. There's only one. It's God himself. You can't try to make a counterfeit one or get a little bit close. It's, it's Jesus Christ or it's not a foundation. And so he is the foundation. Then in verse 12, it says, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, now, understand here, God says, hey, I'm going to provide all your needs. Set your affection on things above. So he's saying if you build yourself your foundation on gold and silver, all these precious stones, I could say if you build your foundation with uh, social media or with, you know, a high-paying job or with all these degrees or with, you know, these wonderful cars or a beautiful house or these wonderful uh, clothing or wood or hair or stubble, every man's work will be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive an award. A reward, sorry. So here we see that how we build is extremely important and what we build. So I can even ask the question, what are you building? What are you building? You may have known Jesus, you may know God, you may know he's Jesus, God manifest in the flesh, but since you know that, you have the foundation, 
What did you build on that foundation? Is it gold and silver? Are you chasing this thing in the world or that thing? What are you building? It's going to be tried by fire. And the fire is going to try all of our work. But I just pray that we all have work, that once the fire is tried, it remains. It stands strong. And then we'll all receive a great reward. And so some people, they, they're ever learning, but in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 through 7, this also know that in the last days, perilous times shall come. You could say right now is perilous times. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. You could say amen to that. Uh, men are be covetous. They want what somebody else has, and they might do some uh, terrible thing to get it. That's surely happening. Boasters, oh, there's plenty of those. Proud, you can look all around and see a bunch of proud people. Blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Hopefully there's not too many among us, but sometimes children are disobedient to parents unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, they don't keep their word, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And here's the problem, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses, and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning but never, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so I've talked to uh, some people who study the word of God. You know, they might say they're Christian, but they never learn what God wants them to know. Uh, the word and prayer must be combined to help us truly learn what God wants us to know. That's how we learn who God is. Without the word, you're not going to get it unless you come and hear the word from a preacher. And that's how God designed that we'd be saved, that we hear somebody speak about the word of God. We would hear it, we would connect with God, and we respond. And so the word and prayer must be combined to learn about God and what he wants us to do. And so when it comes to devotions, prayer and the word, they walk hand in hand. You can say they're, they're together. They go together. You, you can't separate them, but they're together. And so, uh, because the word is God, and when you're praying, you're talking to God. And when you read the word, God's talking to you. And so they go together. So you have to have both. And so the word of God can seem harsh at times, but the spirit of God helps us to receive it. The word of God seems harsh at times because we're looking to be a part of a kingdom that's not like this kingdom. We're going to be a part uh, of a kingdom that's not from this world. God's teaching, you could say, is not from this world. God says to love your enemies. Down here, they say, retaliate, get even with your enemies. So you kind of see how sometimes it can be hard. It's completely different than what the world is. It completely challenges everything that the world uh, is teaching and saying. And so sometimes it can be a little harsh or a little hard to swallow. But God himself, he helps us to receive it because that's what's best for us. And so if you're not being rubbed the wrong way by the word from time to time, uh, you're not reading it. You may just be glossing over it. You may see something that says, I got to forgive somebody that offended me. Ooh, they, they hurt me so bad. I got to forgive them, God. Uh, I, I don't know about that. And you just kind of move on and go down to the next verses. No, you can't do that. You've got you've got to look at the word of God and just adjust your life to it. And God helps us throughout the whole whole time. It may be painful at first, but all oh, this pain can't compare to heaven. That little adjustment can't compare to being with God forever. So just make that little adjustment. Just make the change. Don't be hard-headed. 
that's the that was the problem with the Jews in the Old Testament. They were so hard headed. God was trying to help them, and they just they wouldn't listen. He tried to give them little adjustments, and they just they couldn't do it. Amen. So let's just make those little adjustments. And so all spirit and little or no word leaves you open to hearing from spirits that are not of God. If you just pray in tongues, if you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and never read the word of God, then then that leaves you susceptible, leaves you open uh, to kind of fall when the when the wind begins to blow, uh, when other voices begin to speak, because the word of God is the foundation. You always have to go back to the foundation every day. You got to go to the foundation. Well, if this building didn't have a foundation, this building wouldn't be here. It wouldn't stand. And so every day you got to go to the foundation. You got to go back, stand on it again, stand on it again, stand on it again, over and over and over. And then once you do that over time, you will get stronger and stronger. Your legs will get a little stronger. Your arms get a little stronger. You'll be able to handle things that come your way because you know what God has said about it. And you know how you need to maneuver yourself. And so when you pray, you should always have your Bible with you. In fact, you should pray a while, then ask God to show you what to read in his word. Now, sometimes it happens where you just begin to pray and, and a verse will just kind of be put into your spirit or in your body. And you're like, oh, I should read Psalm 119. And you go to read Psalm 119. And, oh, it's just ministering to you right where you are. You were hurting in this, in this time of your life and now you're reading and it's just helping you, it's healing you, it's encouraging you that there's hope that it can be, you know, you can get through this. God is still with you. God still loves you. And look, there you go, just like that. And so you need to have prayer in the word. And so, or you can just read the word for part of your prayer time, pray a while and read a while. So you should go back and forth with them. Because again, the word is God's voice and praying is talking to God. Or asking a uh, request to him, you're talking to him. So let's talk about the word for a while. So where do you start? There's 66 books, there's a thousand plus chapters, so where do you start? So if you're new to the Lord, if you're new to learning about God, you should begin reading what we call the Gospels. So that's in the New Testament, and it's the first four books. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There you're going to learn all about Jesus. You're going to learn about why Jesus came. You're going to learn about the Savior. You're going to learn about love. You're going to learn about uh, how to live uh, on this earth righteously, properly. Even in the face of pain, in the face of backstabbing, in face of offense, you'll, you will learn how to live uh, a wonderful life, a loving life, a merciful and graceful life on this earth. And then after that, you should go to the fifth book in the New Testament, which is the book of Acts, uh, which is the Acts of the Apostles. So after Jesus died and resurrected from the dead and he poured out his spirit then the apostles his students that he taught they continued and you learn about what happened when they continued and that's a wonderful and great and exciting book and that's where we are that's where the birth of the church is in the book of acts and then you can continue to reading the other epistles which is a letter which are other books like first corinthians second corinthians galatians ephesians you know on and on and then the book of revelation is excellent um to be honest, that was the first book that I read uh, front front to cover. Um, I was just curious. I wanted to see what it's going to be like in the very end. Um, and so it's excellent, but there might be some places where you will get confused if you try to read it without help and guidance because there's a lot of things that are kind of interesting there. You got these beasts with multiple eyes. You got all, all, all trumpets. You got all kinds of stuff going on. You got guys on horses and this and that. So you, you might need some help and guidance. So 
once you begin to learn more about the about God and praying and studying the word of God and then you start to learn about God's voice, then you might be able to better understand that book. But one thing this book does give you if you're new is it gives you the the realization that there's a heaven and there's a hell and it's nothing to joke about. It's very serious. It's very intense. So that's what I received from that book when I was first starting. And if you have been serving the Lord for a while, you can read the epistles, which is Romans to Jude. Again, that's the New Testament. And as you continue in your walk with God, try to read the entire Bible. I would challenge you, if you have not read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, if you have not read all 66 books, every word that God has spoken to us, I encourage you to do it. Find yourself a plan. There's many plans online. You could just sit down and create a plan. Um, you can look up uh, the statistics on the Bible, or the King James Version, how many chapters there are, and you can divide it by however many days you want to read or however many months, and uh, you can create it that way. And it is a very, everyone should do this. It's not just for ministers or any, every, every Christian should read the entire Bible from beginning to end. It gives you a wonderful uh, picture of God and how God uh, loves uh, mankind and how God works with us and and what happened from creation all the way until the very end of time itself. And so if you have been walking with God and want to know him better, if you've been walking with him for a while, maybe some years, decades, however it might be, try an in-depth study of the Bible. Now you got that foundation, it's time for you to start going deeper uh, so you can build higher. So you could do a character study. You could do topical studies. I like to do topical studies. Um, you could do word studies. That's one of my favorites is word studies. You can look up all the verses that, be, that have the word love in it. You want to learn about love? That's probably the best way to do it. Or if you just newly got married, you can look up all the verses of, say, a husband. What are all the verses that have the word husband in it? And what does God say about a husband? What does God say about a wife? You know, you could go on and on, pick any word. Or you could do phrases. Uh, you could do, like, the fear of the Lord. What are all the verses that have the fear of the Lord in it? And you can begin to learn, and you'll uncover a whole lot more than if you just read those verses. But if you study them, try to understand what what really is this? What really is love? What really is, uh, what does it really mean to be a husband or to be a wife? Or whatever word you might choose. You could do doctrinal studies. You can see, okay, where are all the places where people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? I'm going to look at all of them so I can learn more about it. I can learn how people received it so I can learn how to help somebody receive it. You can study prophecy uh, in Isaiah or Revelation. You can study the tabernacle, which was in the Old Testament. That was God's way of connecting with mankind in the Old Testament. And that is a pattern for the New Testament. Uh, it was very similar. And Jesus fulfilled all of the high priests uh, in that tabernacle. He fulfilled everything in the New Testament. And so the tabernacle is important because you learn more about how God connects with mankind. And also you can explore the priesthood. Those are people that would work in that tabernacle. You can also just study so many more things. Dig deep into the word of God. Don't limit yourself. There is so much in the word of God. It'll take us millenniums, billions of years of search everything to learn everything. There's just so much. And so if you get stumped, you see something that confuses you, seek some help. God says in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So first I'll say go and pray to God because he's the source. And then seek some help. Seek your spiritual uh, authority in your life. Seek your spiritual leaders and those that are, um, you could say, seasoned in the Lord. And then that's where that iron begins to sharpen iron. And then you help someone and they can help you. And then that's how you both get stronger. So remember, any uh, doctrine or truth, it needs to be explained more than one location 
in the Bible for it to be considered doctrine. For example, there's a verse that says, you know, that Jesus told his disciples, now go, you know, all into the world and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. That's only found one time in the word of God. And you continue to go on and you say and you see they baptize in Jesus name. And you see again, they baptize in Jesus name. You see again and they baptize in Jesus name. So you can't build a, a teaching on just one verse. It has to have multiple occurrences in the word of God. And so um, that's just about uh, teaching from God himself. You can't just take one verse and just run with it and do whatever you want to do with it. It has the God has to say what what uh, God will say what he wants to say. You don't have to put words in God's mouth. You don't have to um, come up with this great new revelation. It's all there. He's just going to reveal it unto you. You're going to put the pieces together, and you'll be right on your way. And so uh, those places where the Bible seems to kind of contradict itself or uh, create some questions um, are easy to clear up with further study. The more you learn, the more you will understand. The more you spend time with the Word of God, the more you will begin to understand maybe these hard uh, areas. And the more you study and go deeper into it, you can look up, what does this word even mean? Uh, what does this phrase mean? Then you can get a better picture of what's going on here. And so in your studies, learn to ask questions and search the answers out. That's probably the best, the best tool for learning, period. Learn to ask questions and search out to find the answer. Some questions that come to mind are, um, um, for example, the epistles. Who were they written to? Uh, those are those letters in the New Testament. Romans, you know, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, who were they written to? Now, if you'll study, you'll find out those were written to people that have already been saved. They repented. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were born of the water and of the Spirit. They got baptized in Jesus' name. And then Paul is teaching them and instructing them how you should live your life in this earth as the times were changing. And so another question may be, what books in the Bible have the most end-time prophecy in them? That would be like Ezekiel, Daniel, our revelation. And so searching the scriptures is how you build yourself up in Christ. Studying the Bible is how you learn about God. That's how you get stronger. You can hear all the preaching, but if you never crack open that Bible yourself, you never look into it yourself, you never uh, have uh, find the answers to your questions in the word of God and in praying and seeking God and asking for his guidance, then you, you won't grow as much. That's that's where you grow. That's the the where the rubber meets the road, as people may say. And so the first strand of the threefold cord is the Bible. We have to read it and study it. And that that is, again, I'll emphasize that's the foundation. Without that, this church isn't here. I'm not even here. No, no soul is here. No one can make it to heaven without that word of God. So it's extremely valuable. So if you're watching, take time with it. Don't be quick to just pass it on or read a verse and just move about your day. Take time to hear God's voice. Take time to study it. Take time to understand what God is saying. Amen. And so the next strand is prayer. Again, as we said, the word and prayer go together, so prayer is extremely important. So what is prayer? Very simple. It's talking and listening to God. But again, how do you know God's voice? From the word of God. That's how you know. And so when you're praying and you start hearing voices and things are being said to you, you have to make sure it's from the word of God. God cannot lie. There's no sin in him. There's no darkness in him. He will not contradict himself. So you know if you're hearing from God in prayer, if what you're hearing is the same as the word of God. And so we must take the word of God to prayer because it is the voice of God. It is so powerful praying the Bible. 
Just pray the Bible. Put yourself into it. For example, there's a part, and uh, I think it's like it's one of the Psalms where David is basically he's crying out for God's forgiveness. He's like, "Oh Lord, you know, wash me, cleanse me, you know, purge me, Lord. Put yourself into that. Say, God, wash me, cleanse me, purge me. You know, on and on. You can go to Ephesians. It talks about the armor of God. Or Galatians, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. You could say, God, I want this fruit of the Spirit. I want peace, Lord. I want to produce this fruit. I want to produce, you know, uh, temperance or faith or meekness. So you take what the Word is saying that you see is something we should be doing and is good, and then you pray for that. You put yourself into it. And so also prayer is a two-way conversation, not a monologue. So it's not just me telling God, okay, Lord, thank you, Lord. Oh, you're wonderful. Oh, it's great. And I don't take time to hear what he has to say. You know, I just keep going on and on and on and on and on. And I just, I stop and say, all right, Lord, that was wonderful. Great time praying. And I go about my day. No, it's a monologue. It's between you and God. He's going to talk back. So you talk to God and he speaks to you. Now, with with this, we have to learn to kind of linger in God's presence. You may, you, you can say, Sometimes it takes God maybe a little while or he wants to get your attention. And if you just wait a little while you're praying and not rush too fast, then he just may speak to you. But like I say, if you're just praying and praying, you wait maybe a couple seconds. I didn't hear anything. You go. You maybe have left too soon. God wants to speak to us. He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. He loves us. And so uh, he's going to speak to us as well. And if we are serious about serving God, if we're serious about making it to heaven, it's essential to take a Bible and a notebook when we pray because God will speak to you. He will speak to you what to do with your life. He'll speak to you about decisions you've been thinking about and you're just kind of, I don't know which one to choose. He'll speak to you things to do. Uh, he'll speak to you. He may even call you to a specific location in prayer. There's, God speaks to us in prayer. And it would be very wise if you have a notebook to write it down because sometimes we forget. A great example of this is when there's a, a tongue interpretation in the church service. Now, I don't know about you. How many of those have you remembered? It was wonderful. It was a wonderful time. We were in the presence of God. But do you remember what somebody said five years ago when there's a tongue interpretation? Probably not. Why? It wasn't written down. And so it would be wise to have a notebook when we pray. And again, expect him to tell you, expect God to talk to you about something you can learn uh, about more something you can study more and write it down. You'll kind of find that the more you learn about God, the more God wants you to kind of go further and learn more about him. Uh, you won't ever get a place where you can just stop and say, all right, I've learned enough. No, he wants you to go a little further. He wants you to learn more about him. He wants you to learn more about his mercy, more about his grace. You've already learned about it, but he wants to show you something more. He wants to show you something deeper. And so how do we pray or what is prayer? Again, the simple definition it's just talking with God, just like I'm talking with you, talking with God, except the way you would talk with God will be based on the Bible. And so you would read the Bible and you would see it and you say, OK, these are the things that God is looking for. These are the things God is telling me. So now I'm going to talk to him about those things. I'm going to talk to him about uh, those things that need to change in my life so I can line up with this. And, you know, on and on. And so what is very helpful is to make a written list. Uh you can use one of uh, pastor's devotionals. Uh, this is a good one, learning how to pray effectively. Uh, you can use a devotional if you'd like. Um, you can use that. That would be a, a great help. Um, 
And that God can help you uh, get started to, to knowing how to get a good pattern of prayer, a good structure, so you're more effective. So you're not just all over the place going here and here. You can have it lined up and say boom, boom, boom. Uh, for me, I try to pray for five things a day if I can. Number one is myself, because if I'm not right, then everyone else that I'm connected with, I'm, I'm, they're not going to have the same effect. I won't be as effective. Um, and so I pray for myself, pray for my wife, pray for my family, pray for my church, and pray for lost souls. So those are five things I try to do every day. And again, you can even see those five things are all in the word of God. And so um, having a structure helps a lot. And try not to get in a rut. Um, try not to get stuck in prayer. Prayer shouldn't be a chore. It shouldn't be something that's, that's like, oh, I got to go and pray. Let me go over here. All right, I'm going to pray. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. I'm done. Yep, I'm done. Oh, whoo. Now I can go and have fun, you know, and do all these things. That's not what prayer should be. It's not a chore. You're connecting with the Lord of Lords. You're connecting with the King of Kings. You're connecting with the Creator, royalty himself, truth himself. So it shouldn't be a laborious thing. So try not to get stuck in a rut. It happens sometimes. The, the things of this life on this earth, they kind of wear on us a little while. But don't let prayer uh, kind of be a burden for you or a chore or getting yourself into a rut. You can go on prayer walks. You can pray in different rooms. Um, you can do many things. Uh, prayer should be, should be nothing, anything but boring. It should not be boring. If it's boring, you're not praying correctly or you're not praying for the right things or you're not, you know, uh, praying with the right attitude or mindset. Prayer should not be boring. Prayer should be powerful. Prayer should be uh, anointed. Prayer should be a time where God connects with you, where heaven comes and touches earth, and things begin to change. Prayer should be a powerful time, an impactful time, not a boring time or, you know, falling asleep time. Prayer should be very powerful. And so, also, you could read and pray the Psalms. Uh, you could do it every day if you like. I know some people, they like to read uh, the book of Proverbs every month. You could read one chapter. There's about there's 31 chapters. You can read one one chapter a day for 31 days, and there you go. You got the whole book of Proverbs there. And so here are a few things we should always pray about. Again, how do we know to pray for these things? Because they're in the Word of God. So first is repentance, asking for forgiveness. Lord, you gotta help me, Lord. I'm sorry for what I thought. I'm sorry for how I acted. I'm sorry for how I responded. Oh Lord, I don't want to stay like this. I want to change. God, help me. You know, having a clean heart and a, and a clean mind and the right spirit. Uh, to be a true disciple of the Lord. Uh, to pray for opportunities to, to witness to people, to reach lost souls, to, go for, uh, to let go of grudges or bitterness and have a heart of forgiveness toward others. Pray for your family. Pray for your church family and leaders. Pray for revival that people will learn more about God. There be an a, a interest about God um, in this end time harvest. Um, pray for people to get a revelation of who God is. Pray for spiritual and physical healing. You know, you can go on and on and on and on and on. It could be a big old scroll that just rolls all the way down and can continue forever, you could say. And so here are a few uh, misnomers about prayer that you may have heard or learned um, or have yourself. The first one is you do not have to pray on your knees always. You don't always have to pray on your knees. And biblically, there are many ways people prayed. Um, sometimes I like to pray on my knees. It helps me sometimes. Uh, it's kind of very humbling. Um, but you can pray while you're sitting. If you read the book of Acts, they were, they, were, they were praying and waiting for God to pour out his spirit. And they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. How? Sitting down. They weren't standing. They weren't kneeling. They were sitting. 
You could be in a rocking chair. You could be walking. I like to walk. For some reason, kind of helps me to focus more if I move around and helps my mind. Um, so you can even pray while you're driving. Just don't do it with your eyes closed, but you can still give up a prayer when you're driving. Sometimes I do, well, almost all the time if I see an accident, if I hear an ambulance, I see a fire truck, I just start praying. Um, I, I give a prayer uh, to God that God would heal that situation. He helped those souls, you know, things like that. So you don't have to always be on your knees. There's multiple ways you can pray. Another misnomer is I have to pray for an hour or more or I'm not a Christian or, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wimp. No, you don't have to pray for an hour. It is wonderful if you can and even longer than an hour because we need the prayer. God needs the prayer. God needs somebody to feel his burden. God needs somebody to pray his word. So if you could pray for an hour, that was wonderful. And if you could pray for longer, may the Lord bless you. You can continue that forward. But some people are in different stages. Some people can't pray for that long. Some people can't even stay focused for an hour, let alone pray for an hour. And so you don't have to pray for an hour or more. Um, lengthy prayer times are good. Um, however, it would be better if you could do 15 minutes and enjoy it and do it consistently then do it for an hour, and then you don't pray for two days after that, and it's better to do it consistently. So um, so you can pray all day as well. When you think of someone or a situation, uh, you can speak to God often throughout your day. And um, also you can kind of build your way up if that is a goal for you to pray an hour. You can start with five minutes. You get that good for two days or three days, move to 10 minutes. Just double it up. Then you move to 15 minutes. Then you can move to 25 or half hour, for, uh, 45 minutes, and next thing you know, you're at an hour. And that's the same way that people uh, train for a marathon. They don't run all those miles at once. <laughs> they start with a mile, then they build it up to five miles and 10 miles. You know, they do a half marathon, they build it up, and now they can run those 26 miles nice and smooth. But they started small and built their way up. That's just like anything. It's just like us when we were little. We didn't start uh, learning calculus when we were one, uh, you know, a little child. You learn the numbers, then you learn how to add. So start small, then you can build your way up to an hour or more if that is your goal. But it doesn't have to be. That's not the the benchmark. Another thing is about prayers. Everyone has to be a prayer warrior. Now I don't even like that word because we're all warriors and we're all supposed to pray. So I don't know what that really means. But what some people have this prayer warrior or uh, a worshiper. We're all worshipers. We're all supposed to be warriors. We're all supposed to pray. And so uh, that would be nice, but not necessarily true. We should all strive to be excellent and effective at prayer. But some are maybe specifically called to be prayer warriors or intercessors. We're all supposed to do these things. We're all supposed to supplicate. We're all supposed to make our requests before, uh, made before known to God. We're all supposed to do these things. So don't kind of put a prayer warrior box on yourself or on someone continue to learn about God and reach for him and, and change according to the word of God and you'll get where you need to be and again don't try to compare yourself one to another oh this person you know is a prayer warrior or this person is a worshiper we're all Christians we're all trying to be like God we're all trying to be like Jesus we're all trying to be Christ-like so don't get caught up in these little boxes we put ourselves in sometimes another misnomer is prayer is only to be done privately definitely not uh, not true at all Prayer shouldn't be done for show or to be seen either. You don't, you know, prayer shouldn't be this thing where, you know, this is an example. You come into the church and you say, oh, Lord Jesus. People are just, you know, talking amongst themselves. And you're just shouting, oh, Lord Jesus. And you're not really doing that to connect with God or God's not really moving on you to shout like that. You just want people to see, hey, that guy's praying. He's praying right there. And the whole church can see you're yelling and you're praying. Oh, okay. This guy's praying. 
That's not how it is. If you would have learned the lesson from the word of God to pray in secret and God will reward you openly, then you would have learned that lesson. And so it, it's not to be done privately, but we're not to, it's not to be done for a show either. Uh, but we are charged to pray together at times. In the book of Acts, they prayed together. When uh, you know Paul was there and, and Barnabas, and they were going to get sent on a missionary journey, they came together with the elders, and they prayed together, and then they sent them out. So it's not only to be done privately. And unity is created when we pray. A bond begins to happen. You could say a spiritual bond happens. The laying on of hands has to be done when we are together. You know, I can't do it through that, that camera. Maybe I, I wish I could, but I can't. And we have to physically be here and do it together. So, but praying privately is vital to have a strong walk with God. You could say that praying with God privately is that foundation. You're laying that foundation, and you come together, and next thing you know, you're putting another pillar on, and another pillar, and next thing you know, the walls are starting to come up, you know, when we pray together. But praying uh, with God is extremely vital. But it's not the only way you should pray. Here we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, uh, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. So they prayed together. In Acts chapter 12, verse 12, and when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, and, and were many, many were gathered together praying, praying together. I will tell you, when you pray together with some people that are, are serious about prayer, it is a powerful thing. It is, it is extremely powerful. Well, there's also another verse where, when uh, there was a situation where apostle was in jail, and they came together and prayed, and that apostle got out of jail miraculously because they prayed together. Uh, there's power in that unity of prayer. So these are examples of praying corporately. There are, are also many more uh, in scripture, like I just mentioned. Also, another thing about uh, a misnomer about prayer is that I'm selfish if I pray for myself. Definitely not. No, no, no. We need to pray for ourselves. We need to pray for others also. But we need to pray for ourselves. If, if my heart's not right and my mind's not right, but I'm praying for all these other people, then, then that's not a good thing at all. You have to be right with God first, and then you can help somebody else. And so we have to pray for ourselves. When I first came into the church, uh, I, I didn't pray for myself at first. I thought, you know, uh, I wasn't that important. Or I was important, but there's so many lost souls. God, I got to pray for them. I got to pray for my family. I got to pray for this situation. This family is going through a hard time. I got to pray for them. You know, I'm just a single guy. You know, I, I, I'll be fine. I'll be off to the side. And then God had to get my attention. He said, no, you got to pray for yourself. If you're a warrior and you don't take care of your body, next time you go into battle, it's going to be easy for you to fall. You're weaker. You're not as strong. Haven't taken care of yourself. And so we have to pray for ourselves, but we also have to pray for others. So you can see there's a balance there. And again, David prayed for himself many times. Many, many times David prayed for himself. And so another misnomer is I have to be quiet when I pray. I have to be so quiet. I can't shout. It's got to be quiet. Or I have to be loud, and I'm not being quiet for anything when I'm praying. So we have this idea of you have to be super quiet or you have to be all so loud. That's not the case. Again, wrong. God's not hard of hearing. Again, his hand is not too short that he can't stretch out his hand and change the situation. So shouting's not going to do it um, more to get his attention. Or being so quiet, you know, and that, that's not it either. Just talk to him. Amen. So some people take... Uh, Jesus is teaching about the Pharisees praying aloud to uh, gain recognition uh, as a license to only pray in private. Um, so, again, we have to pray in private, we have to pray together. 
But don't be stuck in a box where you can only pray quiet. And don't be stuck in a box where you can only shout. Now, if you know me, I pray loud sometimes. I pray very loud. Sometimes the, the, the need, the request, it needs a lot of prayer. It doesn't need a, oh, Lord, you know, change. Like, Lord, you got changes right now. This person knows it. Like, you know, you know it, it's a very heavy matter. It needs, you know, that's what it needs for the cause. And sometimes it's just a very quiet prayer. And so it'd be wise to even learn how to do both. But don't get stuck in one way or another. Sometimes you can't be loud. It's not the right time to be loud. But when it is the right time, then go for it. And so to recap prayer, it's talking with God. That's all it is. Very simple. You could do it anywhere, anytime. That's what's great about it. You can connect with God anywhere and anytime. Doesn't matter if you're in the building or you're not in this church building. Doesn't matter where you are in the whole world. You can connect with God and talk to him anywhere and anytime. You could do it in the morning. It can happen at night. Sometimes God wakes me up. Or sometimes, you know, God gets my attention during the day. It could be any time. And again, you could pray silently or out loud. And when you pray, here's what's important. God hears you. Now, sometimes it doesn't feel like God hears you. Sometimes it feels like, should I even be praying? Nothing's happening. But God hears you. God knows what's going on. Just learn from Daniel. Daniel made one prayer that he, God would reveal this revelation to him about what he saw in prophecy. And he kept praying for 21 days. He didn't get an answer. 20 days, he got no answer. Did he quit? Did he say, oh, God doesn't hear me. God doesn't love me. Oh, no, I'm just, I'm terrible. No, he kept praying because he knows that God hears. And then the angel came and gave him the answer. And the angel said, oh, I'm sorry, Daniel. I had to fight this battle. I had to get through so I can give you an answer. But God already gave you the answer the first day you prayed. It just took me a little while to get here. So don't give up on God. God hears you. And so you can pray for someone anywhere in the world, and God will listen to you and send the answer. I have uh, this map in my apartment, and I got the map of the world. And sometimes I'll go and I'll pray for different countries or different regions. I'll just say, Lord, touch Africa, and I'll just start praying for Africa. And surely God hears that prayer, and surely he's going to do something in Africa. And so you can pray for anyone anywhere in the world. And so the third chord is fasting. Now, fasting is very uh, powerful. Combined with the word of God and prayer and fasting. So hopefully throughout this lesson you can see if you're doing all three of these things combined, you're going to be so strong. You're going to grow very wonderfully in God. You're going to produce much fruit. And God's going to use you greatly and mightily. And so uh, fasting helps us to keep the right perspective. That is very profound. Fasting helps us to keep the right perspective, uh, the right priorities, the right focus. Helps us not to get distracted or caught up in things of the world. In simple terms, fasting is abstaining from food or drink or both for a specific amount of time. A day, two days, three days. You look at Moses, he did 40 days. Jesus did 40 days and 40 nights. Um, and so it could be uh, any amount of time, really, but a specific amount of time. And there are many kinds of fasts. Uh, there's fasts where there's no eating, but you drink water. Or there's fasts that are no eating or drinking for 24 hours or more. Or just eating, but only drinking water, like I said. Uh, or not eating, but drinking your, your favorite drink or certain kinds of foods. Or there's social media fasts. I won't, I won't go on social media, you know, and be scrolling and using all this time. I won't do that for, say, three days. I'm not going to go on social media. I'm going to cleanse my mind. I'm going to focus on God himself, and I'm not going to you know, get distracted with all the news of the world or keeping up with what people are doing. There's also a Daniel fast, which is basically eating like healthy foods. He only ate a certain type of foods. 
um, unprocessed foods for a specific amount of time. But fasting helps us draw closer to God and bring our body under submission. Fasting brings this flesh under submission. This flesh doesn't want to submit to the word of God. It does not want to do the things of God. Um, and so fasting helps get control of your body. It's as simple as that. And as you do that, then you, have a, you can have a deeper connection with God. You can hear from him more easily. You can know his voice more easily. Um, you can feel him when he begins to kind of lead you to talk with someone or pray for a certain thing. Or uh, as you're reading a Bible, it just opens up a whole lot easier to you. Uh, fasting helps do all those things. And so when you feel yourself struggling, uh, getting all critical, or you just want to get closer to God, fasting helps. Now, with fasting, it could be a little uncomfortable because these bodies, they like food, you know. Uh, these bodies like water, too. Uh, these bodies, you know, the tongues especially, it loves sugar. All this tongue loves sugar so much. Uh, some people love it so much they get diabetes or salt. They, get, they just like the salt so much they might get high blood pressure. And so besides that, these bodies don't like to uh, uh, be merciful to other people. These bodies just want to rebel and, you know, get revenge. These bodies, you know, don't want to do what's right. It just wants to hang around and be lazy. Um, so at times we all should fast to kind of break those things away and focus on God and get realigned with his purpose and his plan. And so, and also, at one point, the disciples, they couldn't cast out a demon uh, out of someone in one situation uh, because they didn't fast. And we'll read that in Mark chapter 9, verse 17 through 29. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought my son unto you, which hath a dumb spirit, so that the boy couldn't speak. And whithersoever he taketh him, he teareth him. So he can't speak, and this, this devil's tearing him. He foams, he gnashes with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. You can kind of see his, his dad is so deflated. He's tried it. He's tried to go to the disciples. They couldn't do it. Then he answers, and, and this is Jesus, answers and says, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. God there is saying, well, you don't believe I could change this? Or just how long do I have to be here? Uh, just bring him to me. And they brought him to him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground, this young man. And he wallowed and he was foaming. And he asked his father, Jesus did, how long uh, is it ago since this came unto him? Or how long was he like this? And he and the dad said of a child. And oft times they have cast him into the fire even and into the waters to destroy him. Now, again, we know that the devil is, comes to seek to kill and to destroy. And so, uh, but, if thou, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. You can hear the desperation in this dad. If you can do anything, Jesus... Have compassion on us. Help us. And Jesus says, if you can't believe, all things are possible to him that believe. Now, I even say here, you got to believe. It looks bad. The situation looks terrible. It's been bad since he was a young child. But if you can believe in God, all things are possible to him that believes. So all you have to do is change your belief. I don't think it's possible. And I change it to, it is possible with God. And then it can happen. And then look, straightway. The father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Not a bad prayer. And when Jesus saw that the people came, now a bunch of, a big group started to happen now. All this commotion is going on. And then Jesus rebukes the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead. Insomuch that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand. He just lifted him up, 
and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciple asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? And he said unto him, this kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. So here we see fasting is important as part of that threefold cord. You need the word of God, you need prayer, and you need fasting. You need fasting. So it's evident by this incident that Jesus said there are situations you will face in your life that will take prayer and fasting to get the victory. Now I'll ask you a question. Is there victories you're not having because you haven't fasted? Because you don't want to go through the pain of not eating? Uh, like I said, sometimes it's painful. Sometimes you fast and you get a headache or, you know, your stomach is just, whoo, is, is going through a whole, whole lot of things because it's not getting the food it wants or it thinks that it needs. But you just keep on going. Continue. And also, when you fast, here, here is a helpful hip, uh, t- hint. When you fast, spend more time with the word of God. That's your bread of life. Spend more time with that. Spend more time in prayer and worshiping God when you fast, and that will strengthen your body. Because, um, you know, men, we don't eat by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of God's mouth or proceeds out of the mouth of God, is the King James Version. And so when you fast, spend more time with the word of God. Spend more time with it, and that will give you that food. And even follow God's spirit and do the work of God. Uh, evangelize, reach out for lost souls. That's what Jesus said one time. Uh, his disciples went to get food. He was talking with this woman at a well. And they came back. And they said, oh, Jesus, are you hungry? And Jesus says, ah, I have food you don't know of. I'm full. I'm all good to go. And they said, what? Somebody give you some food? And he says, no, my food, what feeds me is to do the will of God, to do the will of the one that sent me. And so Focus more on the things of God, and you'll replenish yourself. And so if you feel yourself getting more carnal or worldly, uh, get, you know, kind of getting further away from God, fasting will get you closer to him. But you got to combine that fasting with prayer. It's not just fasting by itself. It's not just all three of these things alone. It's all together. And so if you fast, uh, like I said, spend some more time in prayer. Isolate yourself for extra times of prayer during your fast. For example, well, for example, when I uh, was working at a certain job, I would fast. And, you know, you have breaks when you work. Hopefully you do, depending on what you're doing. So in those break times, I'm fasting, so I'm not eating. So I got this whole break. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to go, and I'm going to read my Bible instead of the time I would use to eat. So that's a good way of, you know, uh, getting replenished, like I was saying before. And so although this lesson is more of an overview, we're going to get into more detail over the next few weeks. Um about, you know, each of these three chords here. Uh, But here are some facts. So about fasting, it has to be a sacrifice to be a real fast. Uh, If you say you're fasting specific foods, it must be foods you eat regularly or enjoy most. You can't just say, I'm going to fast, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm going to fast mushrooms. You don't like mushrooms, so come on now. That's not a fast. Uh, What do you like? Oh, I like candy, fast candy. It's going to be hard, but... It's going to help you break through that flesh. It's going to help you connect with God. So it has to be a sacrifice. And it's the same thing like King David said. He said, I won't sacrifice something that cost me nothing. That didn't have a cost. And also if about fasting. If you're going to do an extended fast, I'm uh, talking like days, like weeks. Like I said, Jesus fasted 40 days. Moses did 40 days as well. I believe Elijah did as well. A few men in the Bible fasted for a long period of time. Uh, be sure to watch your health. Uh, some people might not be in a good health situation to fast that long, to fast seven days without food and water. Uh, some of you have to take medicine or whatever it might be, or you might be pregnant. That's probably not good for the baby. So, you know, use some wisdom. 
Um, but, if, but if the fast will last more than 24 hours, you, you probably should still have water. Now, I did a fast one time. I think it was two days or three days without food and water. And I was, I was a little woozy, uh, you know, because I didn't have strength. You know, my body didn't have food. But I, w- I connected really greatly with God. But not everyone may be able to do that. Um, but you can at least have water. Um, also, this is important. You should not broadcast your fast. Don't go on social media and take a selfie and be like, I'm fasting today. Like, no, that's not what it's about. It's about you connecting with God. No one needs to know about it. No one needs to, to see it. Uh, maybe if you're married, you can tell your significant other. So if they're cooking food, you know, and everything. And, you know, that, that just use some wisdom, you know, of telling people. But don't go and broadcast it. Um, but when the church fasts together, it's good to discuss it and encourage and uh, encourage and talk about it with other people. Um, so sometimes, you know, the church comes and we fast together, as we're doing now, actually. Uh, I think we were, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, so also, number four, uh, this is a particular type of fast, the Daniel fast. It's a great one because you can, you can change your eating to eating healthy foods and, and unprocessed foods for a certain amount of time. Um, and so there's many uh, different ways you can fast. And these are just some helpful hints, some helpful hints about uh, fasting. And then also, as Paul describes uh, in Romans chapter 7, there is a, there's a battle between the spirit and the flesh, this body. And that's in Galatians, uh, also in Galatians 5 and uh, 17, it says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit. It's a capital S, that's talking about God's spirit. So this body, it wrestles, it, it wrestles with God's spirit. And the spirit of God wrestles against this flesh. Hey, you're supposed to forget that person. The flesh says, no, nah, I'm going to punch him. And God says, no, don't do that now. You can be angry, but sin not. And the flesh says, no, I'm going to get revenge. And God says, you got to love your enemies. You got to let it go. And you, there's this battle going on. And you've, we've all gone through this in our own mind. Uh, something happens to us, and we're like, oh, I'm going to get you. And God's saying, no, no. The spirit comes and says, no, no, no. I'm love. Forget that person. They need to make it to heaven just like you need to make it to heaven. They made a bad choice. It affected you, but that's why I'm the healer. That's why I will guide you. I'm the comforter. Don't worry about it. Just continue to move on. And so there, it says these are contrary the one to another, so you cannot do the things that you would. You think you know, you, you know what to do. Uh, you know what you've learned from God and what to do uh, and to do what is right. But the body, it just sometimes just doesn't do it. It doesn't want to do it. It doesn't want to submit. And so we tend to be pushed around by our fleshly desires. Oh, I really want a new car. Do you need a new car? Nope. Do you got the money for a new car? Nope. But oh, I want one. I want a nice shiny one. And I'm just using that as an example. There's many things. But our flesh is all about our relationship with ourselves and our national, our natural, sorry, physical cravings, uh, which can be very selfish and even destructive if left unchecked. And as we fast, we deliberately weaken the powerful bond with our flesh. So we, we break that bond to wanting to be all prideful. You know, we, we break that bond to wanting all the shiny, wonderful, oh, lavish, lovely things this earth has to offer. You know, we, we break all of that. Man, this earth's going to be destroyed by fire. It's not going to matter what car you had, what house you had, what kind of clothes you had. That's, that's not going to matter. It's not going to matter who clapped and applauded you, you know, and accepted you. That, that's not going to matter. As long as God accepts you, you are A-OK. He's going to provide everything for you. So when we fast, we, we break these things. We break this mindset. We break these desires. And we strengthen our relationship with God. Spirit, our, our spirit to his spirit, the Holy Spirit. 
God himself. But it is an exchange. There is less of us when we fast because we're breaking apart ourselves. And there, in that way, it could be more of God. More of God can manifest in us. More of God can be in our mind. More of God can be in our heart. And this is always uh, going to be good for us. It may be painful. Uh, Jesus says, you know, my commandments, they're not hard. Uh, I, I say we think they're hard, but they're not hard. They're just painful at times. And we don't like the pain, so we think it's hard. It's just painful. But he's the comforter. He's the healer. Just make the change. It'll be all right. Uh, we're not building the kingdom down here. We're trying to build that, build that kingdom up there. We're trying to get to God himself. We're trying to make it there, not build a little kingdom down here. And so it's always going to be good for us, even if it is painful. And I'll tell you, it is going to be painful at times because we've got a lot of bad habits. We've got a lot of uh, bad thinking. We've got a lot of things uh, that we choose to do or say or believe that's just not right. And God just wants to change it a little bit. And so um, as I'm coming and, uh, and closing here, um, as Christians, we should have a regular habit of reading the word of God and praying. Like I said before, this devotional time is going to make you or break you. It's going to make me or break me. Uh, we're not here physically, you know, to even encourage each other or uh, pray or, you know, all these different types of things. We're kind of separate in our own homes. And so you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. And you have to make it a priority because it won't get done. There's too many alluring things on this earth. There's too many things on the Internet that will just take your time. There's too many, you know, things you can do with your time or playing this or doing that or watching this or hearing this that will take your time away from spending time with God, which is really what, what is the most important. It's going to help you to make it to heaven. And so we have to make this uh, a regular habit. And prayer combined with fasting, it helps us to gain victory over the flesh. And then one last uh, critical thought. Uh, when fasting, it's important to reduce or eliminate uh, social media, like I was saying before, or areas that can cause us to be distracted when we're trying to get close to God. If you got a hobby and, you know, you, li you like this hobby and you're fasting, don't work on that hobby right now. Just leave it alone. You know, you like crafting these wonderful little things. Just, just leave it for that moment. Or you like doing this great activity outdoors, focus on the Lord. Don't, don't do those things. Uh, stay laser sharp, focus on God. And then the effect of your fast will be the most um, very effective to you in your relationship with God. And so you may need to shut off your phone for an hour while you talk to God. That is a great and wonderful thing, uh, especially now we're all going to be at home. We're probably on this phone more than we ever have, <laughs> maybe in our entire lives, with all this time we have on our hands, especially the youth and younger people not being in school, just being on the phone, being on the computer, being on the video game. You might have to shut it off and take time to spend with God. And we live in a very fast-paced world. It's kind of slowed down a little bit now, but it's still fast-paced. The bills still need to get paid. Things still need to get done. And so we have to take time to slow down, just slow it all down. And then when you're trying to and hear the voice of God, go to the Word and just open it up and begin to read it and study it. Turn the phone off and just pray with God. I even challenge you, why don't you just worship God in your house? You don't have to have music. You don't have to be in a building to praise God. You can do it all the time. You don't have to be in the church building to give God thanks, to just lift up your hands and say, Lord, thank you. You provide for us. Thank you, Lord, for all you're doing. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your healing. Amen. And so with that, we are coming to a close. Uh, just one more thing. Um, Pastor Trine did come out with a new book. Um, I believe it's in uh, Barnes & Nobles, I believe. It's called King David, His Life in Prayers and Psalms. It's a devotional, a very uh, helpful tool. 
um, because King David is very transparent. You see the ups and you see the downs, and that's like our lives. We have ups and we have downs, but you see how he goes through it all with God, and he overcomes through it all with God. And so that is for sale, and I uh, believe it's $15. Uh, you can purchase that. Um, you can contact the church uh, if you like a copy and things like that. So with that, I'd just like to say thank you for listening. Hopefully this encourages you and it helps you in this uh, season of time. And uh, also make sure you spend time with your family. It's important to come together. Amen. Don't let anyone get left behind in your family. And just come together and spend time with God as well. And with that, uh, I say God bless you and you are dismissed.